0: Hey, do you need a UK representative, a Swiss representative, or a European authorized representative for your medical device industry? Okay, so you can contact now Easy Medical Device at info at easymedicaldevice.com. Info, I-N-F-O at easymedicaldevice.com. And we'll help you for that. So talk to you soon. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy Podcast. Here is Munir al from EasyMedicalDevice.com. And today I wanted to make you a recipe, maybe a Christmas recipe, on how to get um, to get certified for MDR. Uh, this is also applicable for IVDR, but we'll, let's take MDR as a focus because all what I will say today, you do the same for IVDR and you arrive to the same results. So uh, the objective of today is also to answer questions that i get from a lot of um, my uh, customers that are uh, when they are calling me or sending me an email they are asking me how can i get certified what are the different process uh, steps if i can say to follow so like uh, a cooking recipe if i can say so uh, the objective of today is really to to go through that to show you uh, step by step, there would be a lot of shortcuts because yeah we have just uh, 30 minutes, if I can say, to do that. But the idea here is to give you uh, as much information as possible so that you can uh, you can uh, learn or you can have already an overview of uh, how to get to this final process with some tips also with some uh, good good advices here. Um, so I remind you also that we are end of uh, 2021, so December 2021, um, and also that the MDR. Uh, has passed the date of the 26th of May 2021, which means that the date of application of MDR already passed. So now we are in the middle of it, means that we have some manufacturers that have to apply MDR by the 26th of May 2021. And we have some others that are under a transition period, which means that they can uh, wait until a, a certain date, which is the expiration of their certificate, or which is the uh, 26th of May 2024 to then get EU MDR uh, certified and we'll try to uh, cover also those aspects uh, on this uh, on this uh, on this podcast um, okay so let's start first with the first step um, so when you are a medical device manufacturer uh, which means that you are or manufacturing a medical device an accessory to a medical device or an annex 16 product uh, which is a uh, non-medical product and you can see the list on the annex 16 of the umdr then you have to apply all those rules the first rule for any manufacturer uh, you have to have a quality management system so if you are a class one device, you can have a quiet management system, but it's not certified by a, a notified body or by anybody, but you have to have one available with, where there is procedures that are, are really important. Uh, if you are not a class one, so class one Air, class one M, S, 2A, 2B or 3, then you have to have a quiet management system the same, but this one has to be certified. It should not be certified by anyone. It should be certified by your notified body, so you should not ha- contact a certification body that is not a notified body for that. So your notified body, the one that will also audit your products, will have to verify that your quality management system is done, uh, is uh, is working correctly. Um, so you have the standard ISO thirteen five that you have, you can follow. But I may say you have to follow uh, because mainly this is the main standard that uh, that can show you a, a good structure of a quality management system for a medical device company. Uh, you can use that Uh, for Class 1 devices. I ask you also to use it, but as I've said, there is no need for certification, but it's good to use that also. Also for Class 1 devices, it doesn't mean that um, you should not get certified for your quality management system, but it's a it's a good practice to get certified because then you have some somebody else that tells you where you are good or bad or maybe what you have maybe wrongly applied. Because when you are not used to have a quality management system, I can understand that it can be difficult sometimes. So having a certification is also a good marketing tool just to show that you are certified for ISO 13485. So you are uh, also having a system that uh, is uh, providing quality uh, documentation there. OK, so Then you have this situation where you need a quality management system. And under the EU MDR, there is the Article 120, uh, Part 3, which provides some rules in terms of the transition period. So you have, as I've said, some manufacturers that have to get certified by the 26th of May 2021. And you have others that can still continue under the MDD until a certain date. But there is also some rules that are defined, which is that um, you have to update some of your procedures from your quality management system. And I insist that it's critical that you do that. Uh, we have already had some manufacturers that contacted us because they say, oh, we got a major non-conformance from our notified body. Um, even if they were coming to audit them under MDD, not MDR, we had a major non-conformance because we haven't followed the Article 120, Part 3, which shows the, some procedures that should be complying with UMDA. So the first procedure is the registration of economic operator. Usually what I'm asking people is to create a regulatory compliance procedure where you have to mention all the regulatory strategy for your product. Um, And then inside you mention a paragraph specifically for registration of economic operator. So how you are applying the, the rules that are defined under MDA. Then the second one is the vigilance reporting so normally even under mdd you had the vigilance reporting but the rules have changed with mdr so you have also to include the vigilance reporting um, uh, parameters that are mentioned under the mdr on your procedure so you just take your procedure and you update all what is related to uh, the vigilance following the article from the, uh, the mdr and then the last one is Post-marketing surveillance and market surveillance, uh, which is more dedicated to the competent uh, authorities. So post-marketing surveillance uh, should also be updated uh, because there is some new elements there like uh, the proactive uh, activities. So you have proactively to go to the market to uh, identify that your product is uh, safe and performant. So then you have to include that now on your Uh, procedure. Also, the fact that to mention the PSUR, Periodic Safety Update Report, which is the new name for the uh, Post-Marketing Surveillance Report. Uh, So, all this should be updated. If you don't do that, the notified body has the right to provide you a major non-conformance, but I reassure you, this is easy to change. We have done that with many manufacturers. So, you have to put a plan, you have to update your procedure, and it's not something that is really difficult to do. So, um, do it. Before the audits, it's better. So if you know that you will have an audit soon and you have still not updated those procedures, update them immediately uh, so that you are compliant. If I can say to the to this uh, to this regulation. Um, okay. So normally, when you have your quite system, then you are ready. If you have never contacted your notified body before, you are ready to maybe contact your notified body so that they can audit you only for the stage one audit, which is mainly about the quality management system to have a first contact with notified body to engage them for this first step, because it's really important that you are getting in contact with them so that you can plan for all the next steps. What does it mean? It means that you should not wait that you arrive to finalize everything within your documentation, then to apply to uh, the notified body. Uh, You should do that prior to finalizing maybe everything to save some time, because even when you will send the information to but it can take some time and we'll talk about that just after. Okay, you have your quality management system, everything is fine, you even maybe pass the stage one audit or maybe you are in progress to do that. In the meantime, in parallel also, you can also start to work on your product documentation. So you have Annex 2 and Annex 3 of the UMDR that is describing how you have to provide information to the notified body about um, your technical documentation. Um, so you are usually following Annex 9, which is describing all the information that the notified body should receive. Um, and there, on the Annex 2 and Annex 3, it describes exactly what are the different chapters that should be on your technical file. We have some templates on our, our shop. So if you want to get that, uh, which are specifically for UMDR, so you can get that and you can then fill those templates. And this is the template that you will be using. This is only templates. All the secrets are not machine inside because you are the one that knows the secrets for your product. So you, ha- you are the one that knows which information should be provided. So usually when a, company comes to me and say, oh, can you create also our technical file? First, I ask them, do you have a risk management file? Do you have a clinical evaluation report? Do you have your IFUs, instruction for use? Do you have your labels? Do you have all those documents? Because there is a ton of documents to create before. And they all say no. So I say, if you don't have that, I cannot create your technical file because the technical file is just a puzzle. I just pick all the pieces of the puzzle and, and put them inside. So I need to understand all those documents, and then with those documents, I will pick the information that are needed so that I can fill the technical file to prove to a notified body that yes, I am complying with those uh, elements on the regulation. And one of the first elements that I'm asking you to go for is the uh, GSPR, General Safety and Performance Requirements. This is the Annex 1 of the UMDR, and it lists 23 uh, 23 requirements that you have to follow in three chapters. Um, And if you have, already followed all that or provided some proofs of that, yeah, 80, 70 to 80% of your technical file is ready. Then the last percent are more about how you are placing the different pieces of the puzzle so that it's logic and flowing correctly for, for an assessor. The elements, for example, that are needed for a, clinical, uh, a technical uh, documentation are the clinical uh, information, clinical data. Even if you are class one, even if you are a low risk device, you have to have a clinical evaluation report. The clinical evaluation report is mainly a document that is proving safety and performance of your device. So meaning that your products can be safely provided to uh, a patient, a user, and that the claims, the claims that you are placing maybe on the box, my device can do this, my device can do that, etc., all the marketing claims also, they are backed up by some literature search, by some clinical data, by some clinical investigation, by some, some documentation to prove that what you are saying is True, if I can say so. Mainly, this is what we are we are trying to do. So, in comparison to the MDD or to the previous rules, the clinical evaluation report should be done in two documents, minimum. The first one is the clinical evaluation plan, which is mainly the document that is explaining how you will do this clinical evaluation research report. Then you do your research, you gather literatures, etc., and then you create your clinical evaluation report. And as I've told you, the inputs can be some clinical data of your device, clinical investigation, for example, but can be also some clinical data from equivalent devices. And this is something that is really uh, important to understand. Not um, all products can be equivalent one to the other. So you have to prove that your product is equivalent to another device. But why you do that? You do that because maybe the other device has some literatures about safety and performance. So if you can prove equivalence from of your device to this device, this means also that the literature that this device has can be used for your device. And this is if I can say the gymnastic or the, the thing that you have to, to understand. Don't try to use equivalence for a product that has no, no data, nothing, because then it will be a, a bit weird. So each time we are using equivalence with a clinical evaluation report, we always had notified bodies that Contacted us with questions, etc. So we were able to answer those questions, but it is always a difficult time when you have to prove equivalence. Equivalence is not something that is easy to prove, so you have really to have good arguments for that because notified bodies will come back to you for that. And remember, if notified body doesn't accept your equivalence, then all the clinical data that you used to prove equivalence with this device should be removed from your clinical evaluation uh, documentation, and this can maybe. Yeah, put everything down because you have maybe nothing else. Mm-hmm. And then the only choice is to initiate a clinical investigation. Okay, so um, to input also your clinical evaluation documentation, the risk management documentation is important. So what are the risks of using this device? And for that, you can go for the uh, ISO 14971 and also a complementary uh, standard, which is the IEC 62.366, which is about usability. Those are really complementary. One is more focused on the full life cycle of the products. The other is f- specifically focused on the usability, so how a user, a patient can use the products and what are the mistakes maybe that they are doing. So you have that. It, g- it gives some inputs data to then look for some uh, literature, some documentation, some proof that your device is still safe about that. You have also the part related to um, benefit risks um, ratio. Uh, So mainly you have to prove that even if there are some risks, because we cannot reduce the risk at zero, um, even if you have some risks, the benefits are higher. I can get an infection, but if I don't use this device, I will die. I can uh, get maybe some burns on my skin, but if I don't use this infection, I will have a, a worse disease, etc., etc., etc. So this is mainly the thing that you have to evaluate to show that the benefit is higher than the risk. And at the end, you have also uh, to provide. Um, an answer in terms of the fact that first, yes, your device is safe and performance. But also, do you need a post-marketing clinical follow-up? This is uh, uh, the next step. So this is uh, uh, something that is uh, demanded by the the UMDR. You have for sure for every device to create a PMCF plan not the pmcf study the pmcf plan which will say do i need a pmcf study or not how can i gather data from the market what are the justification that i don't need a pmcf study etc etc if you don't need a pmcf study then you can move forward with it if you need a pmcf study then you have to initiate a pmcf study uh, where you will gather information um, from your device that is used so the device will be used as is means certified. So it means that you are selling this device to multiple hospitals. You can test the device that are used in those hospitals only on the indication that you define. You should only test them on what they have been certified for. So here, if I can say is the bubble for the clinical evaluation, then out of that, you have all about design, about testing, about uh, manufacturing also uh, about uh, labels that we are using in, in instruction for use. For example, um, every version of the labels or instruction for use should be also listed. Uh, and available. Uh, the languages should be the languages, the member state where you are sending the device. If you are sending it in Italy, in Germany, in France, every language should be there also. So this is also something that can take a lot of, create a lot of documentation there also. So then you have all those information that are created, and then we can start to create the technical documentation. We can start to build all those files together. Um, As I've said, you follow Annex 2 and Annex 3, and you just fill all those information there. Plus, you add in annexes of your technical documentation, all the documents like the clinical evaluation report, the clinical evaluation plan, the risk management file, all those documents should be available in annex of the technical file means that the notified body, when they will review your technical documentation, they will you will mention, oh, this is mentioned on the risk management file, this and that they want to see it. It's not like they will just see the reference and say it's fine. No, they want to see it. So having that in annex is something important. So we are also doing we have also to do that making those links between what is required on the technical documentation and the attached document that should be also available for your notified body. Okay, so we have built the quality management system, we have the technical file, and we have now then maybe also to send an application to a notified body before we finalize all those things. One element that is also critical for you is the PRRC, Person Responsible for Regulatory Compliance. This person even during the transition period, you need this person within your organization. So before you have an auditor that comes to your organization, you have to appoint a person as a PRC for your organization. So there is two options. Option one, this person has a diploma in science, in law, in medicine, or in software, if it's software that you are developing, plus one year of experience uh, in quality and, regular- and or regulatory affairs for medical devices. Not for pharmaceutical, not for aesthetic, not for cosmetic, not for automotive, not for spaceship. No, only medical devices. The second option is that you have a person that has no diploma, but they have four years of experience in quality and or regulatory affairs for medical devices. Again, medical devices, nothing else. Then this person can be qualified. What I'm advising you because I have a lot of manufacturers that don't do that, Um, I advise you to have the CEO or the manager of the the company to create a letter of appointment. Letter of appointment say I certify that I designated this person as the PRC for my organization and they have to follow this job description, they have to do this and that, etc. and they report to me. So this is one second is the job description what exactly is the role and responsibility for this person and third is the org chart to so have the name of the person the org chart and the mentioned prc for the organization and you can have multiple prc for a same organization so and it's mainly uh, advised because if this prc goes on holiday then who is staying if i can say to uh, to be able to answer any request so you have to have some kind of deputy like what we have in the uh, pharma industry also Okay, you have all this then, then you contact your Notified Body. You maybe already had a stage one audit, maybe now it will be a stage two. When you send the application to Notified Body, they can take two to three months to answer to you to provide you the final date for the for the audit why because they have to find the assessor they have to make it match with your product etc so it's not like an easy process and they have to find them the date when they can get uh, get you audited so this is mainly something that can take a bit of time like two to three months then you get an audit date maybe three four months after uh, so in the meantime as i have said you see here you have already some months to wait It means that you should not wait to finalize all your documentation to send the application. You can do that, uh, if I can say, if you have maybe reached 70% of your project, then you can start to send an application, knowing that there will be some time before they are really um, providing you with a date. Then you have your date. You are training your people to everything so that they are ready to answer to an auditor. Um, When you have your date, the process is already starting because they are asking you to send them the technical documentation an off-site review so they are looking at i mean the assessor will start to look at your documentation they will maybe have some questions so a morning you'll wake up and go to the office and see an email from your notified body saying i don't understand this Uh, can you clarify that this seems not correct blah blah they will have maybe a bunch of questions you'll have to answer that answer it as soon as possible don't wait Few weeks to that, try to put really some investment, invest some resources there so that they can really answer those questions quickly. Because if you don't answer that, your system, your process is blocked, and maybe you will miss this uh, audit date or you will miss if I can say some, 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 some deadlines here. So then, when you have answered all the questions from the assessors, the assessor will also talk to the auditor that will come to audit you on site. Uh, so they will talk together to say oh I find this I find that can you check this can you check that etc so don't think that it's a separate process it's a team working together the auditor will arrive to your place will audit you will ask you a question show me this procedure show me the proof of that show me how you are manufacturing yes the manufacturing is corresponding to what you have told us these certificates are good or this one uh, is not good or that what what's i mean asking you a lot of questions about that and don't think it will be an easy process it's really a a really difficult process. So then after that, you have to understand also one thing. If you are not the manufacturer, means the... uh, If you are not manufacturing, you are still the legal manufacturer, but you are not manufacturing the product because you have a subcontractor for that, like a company in China, in India, in the US, in whatever. this company even in europe i mean i'm outside of europe but here in europe and this is a a subcontractor and we call him like a critical supplier because he's doing all about your device you are maybe just designing it and you send the the drawings to him and he has to do everything then he is a critical supplier because he's doing um, the main part of the device then the notified body has also to audit this company so they will have to go to this supplier to audit him and to verify that he's doing things correctly so prior to that you have to have in your agreement with your subcontractor the fact that they can be audited by your notified body and that they have to open the doors for it etc etc if you don't have that I mean, don't choose this subcontractor, because if they cannot enter, if they cannot see, if the auditors cannot enter and see the products, how it's manufactured, then they will never give you a certificate. So it's mainly a, a bit uh, a problem for you. So have that available um, and inform your uh, subcontractor that for sure a notified body will come and audit you. So prior to the notified body goes to audit them, maybe good for you to go and to make a mock inspection to verify everything is in place because your certificate is on the balance here. So you have really to uh, to make things uh, happen for you. Okay, so now the audit is done and you think it's over. No, it's not over, it's never over. Uh, usually, in a in lot of chances, you can maybe have no observation, but usually you get some observations some minor observation or major observations. And the notified body is expecting within maybe 15 days so that you are providing a plan on how to solve those uh, observations. And maybe they ask you to solve them before they can um, they can uh, yeah classify you or give, give you a certificate. So then you receive these non performances, You are working with your team, define a plan on how to do that, and then you are providing them with your plan. And if they accept your plan, they can maybe say, okay, we will wait for this, this, this to be done, and maybe that we can check that during the next uh, inspection that we'll do with you. So you'll have to finalize all that. And if you have respected the plan for what they have said, um, they can then give a favorable decision for your certification. This doesn't mean that you are certified, this means that they will give a favorable decision. It means that the notified body has also an internal processor. A separated independent process a commission that is checking all the work that was done all the inspection all the audit etc and then this commission will say yes we are giving you a certificate to this company so don't think that after they say to you oh we are fine now it means that you are certified no there is still a process uh, where it can take maybe two to three months before the commission is providing you the uh, the, the, the approval. And then it can take maybe one or two months so that you can get your final certificate available. So you see here, from the beginning to the end, when you get certified, uh, it can take a lot of time. It's not like a small process. It's really a big process and everything will be checked. So it's really something that you have uh, have to understand. And one thing that you also have to understand, because a lot of companies are didn't know, understood that, um, As soon as you start this process, you will be audited every year. So every year and nearly at the same period, you will be audited. So it means that um, the first audit is for the certification. Surveillance audit one, then they will come and audit you. Surveillance audit two, they'll come and audit you. Surveillance audit three, it's mainly the recertification. So they will come and check that everything is correct and recertify you because your certificate has an expiration date. So it means that they have to come to research for you and then to provide your new certificate with a new expiration date, etc. So as soon as you start this process, they are always here coming and auditing you. It means also that you should be well disciplined, if I can say, to have your people, your co- company, your uh, employees that are following your quality management system at every stage of the process and also when you are not audited. Uh, meaning that when you'll get audited again the following year, you should not like what I see with a lot of companies. Uh, the previous month before the auditor arrive, we are cleaning everything, we are checking documentation, we are retraining people, we are telling them again, oh you were doing that, but you should have done that, etc. So meaning that we are just operating a quite management system only to pass an audit. I know this is a lot of companies that are doing that, but it costs a lot of money. It costs. It's a risky process. So the idea here is to say have your people compliant, complying to the quality management system and the rules at every moment. It will cost you less and people will be doing what they, they need to do at each step. And this is mainly the, my advice, but yeah, <laughs> we'll see that. So um, so yeah, so here is what I wanted to say to you in terms of the process to get certified from A to Z. Uh, it's, as I've said, a long process uh, and it's something that where you have really to be disciplined and you have to understand that a notified body is here really to verify that you are following the process. So there is no kind of negotiation here. It's more like I'm checking is it the, is it here, yes, no, etc et You still have to argument because you are still the expert of your product, so you have to argument about the fact that no your product cannot do this or cannot do that because of this argument. So you are still the expert, but the notified body will really challenge you uh, for that. So Quality management system, technical file with clinical evaluation, documentation, uh, design, manufacturing, verification, labeling, and if you, the PRC that should be there, then the audit, auditor, notified body that should be uh, coming to audit you, off site audit with uh, on site audit, and then certification, and then, as I've said, uh, uh, annual audit that will come to, uh, to verify what you are doing. So, this is mainly the recipe that you have to follow. Um, So if you have some questions about what we discussed, what I discussed today with you, if you have still some maybe black points or things that you say, oh, I still don't understand this part, don't hesitate, you can contact me at info at easymedicaldevice.com, I-N-F-O, at easymedicaldevice.com, where I will provide you with all those information or more details. And if you need any support for us to help you uh, on this process also, so to help you to get certified, uh, we can also be here and can also guide you or um, work for you on this, uh, this kind of things So um, I hope this episode helps you a lot for that, and I hope it clarifies a lot of questions. So uh, thank you for that, and I wish you a nice day.